Well, happy Veterans Day weekend, everybody. Glad that you are here with us. And I am curious to know, do we have any veterans that are here in our presence today? So would you not just raise your hand, would you please stand? So I am seeing four gentlemen here, and I want you guys to know that we understand that you paid a huge sacrifice, that you and your family and people sacrifice for this thing that we call freedom. And we understand as a church family that freedom is not free. Is that correct, church family? Like we get that. We understand that people just like you have sacrificed not only with their time, being away from family, being in remote parts of the world, but there are people who have sacrificed with their lives. And we don't take that lightly. So we want to say thank you to you for the sacrifice that you have made. My grandfather was a uh, pilot, a bomber pilot in World War II. And I am so proud of him for the part that he played in bringing justice and freedom to our world. So if you know a vet, a veteran that is, not just a vet, if you know a veteran, then I want you to spend some time today, this week, thanking that veteran. So if it's a neighbor of yours, go over and tell them thank you. Personally talk to them. If it's a family member, someone who's not here in this community, call them, write them a note. Just spend some time today, this week, thanking a veteran. Now, before we dive into our message today, I want us to start with a quick prayer. And I'm not sure if you're following what's happening around the world, specifically in the Philippines right now, but they had a typhoon that hit. And there are early numbers coming out that there could be at least 10,000 people who have lost their lives. It's a major catastrophe for that country. And so I just want us to start this morning by praying for them. So if you'll join me in prayer. Lord, on this Veterans Day weekend, we, we want to say thank you to our veterans. We want to say thank you for the sacrifice that they have made. And Lord, when I think about the sacrifice that has been made by our many veterans throughout the years, I think about you and what you did for us in bringing freedom to us. So, so Lord, I thank you for the freedom that you provide us that you came, left the splendor of heaven to come to earth and sacrifice so that we could experience a real freedom, a a spiritual freedom, something that we're going to even look at today. And Lord, as we look around our world and right now looking at the events happening in the Philippines, Lord, it's devastating. I mean, we kind of understand. You know, we have a hurricane roll through. Like, we, we understand what that kind of catastrophe can be like. And yet, Lord, with whole islands that are being wiped out, we pray for your peace and comfort to come to those victims, those family members who have lost maybe all of their family. But we pray that through this, People's eyes would be lifted to you. Lord, often 
We find you in moments of deep struggle. And Lord, I pray that that would happen. I pray that people in those communities and in our global world community would join together to support this country in this moment of great need. And Lord, I pray for us this morning as we continue on in our series that you would guide us in our next battle that we're going to fight. Lord, this is a big one, another big one. Lord, this could be the most important battle that we fight in our entire lives. So guide us through this message today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now today we're in week three of our Pick a Fight series, and I've told you throughout this series that the idea for this message series came from a single question that God has been asking me over the past several years. And that question is this, Trent, what are you willing to fight for? Is there anything in your life that you would say, you know what, I'm willing to draw my sword I'm willing to charge into battle. I'm willing to fight and even die for this thing, this person, this principle, because it's so incredibly important. And I've been asking you to ask yourself that same question. So what are you willing to fight for? Is there anything in your life that you would say, you know what, I'm willing. I'm willing to draw my sword on this issue. I'm willing to charge into battle, and I'm willing to fight with all I'm worth. And yes, if it means death, I'm even willing to die for this thing because it's so incredibly important. Now, there are some things in this world that God thinks are worth fighting for, things that he thinks are worth us standing up for to defend. They're so valuable There's some things that God would say to us, it's so valuable, it's worth you even laying your life down for this specific thing. So that's the stuff that we want to tap into in this series. Now, last week, we picked a fight with this giant of injustice, and we looked at this issue of modern-day slavery and the reality that there are an estimated 27 million people in our world today that are enslaved against their will, an injustice that should not be. And I hope that you were able to take our spiritual growth challenge and look at some of the resources on there and educate yourself a little bit more. We all need to educate ourselves on this issue. It's, it's a, a fight that God wants us to fight, not just one Sunday look at an issue and then walk away from it. God wants us to stay in the battle on this one. It's worth fighting for. God tells us, In Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. So our God is a God of justice and he wants us to bring justice to people who are in desperate need of it. Now today, like I said, we're in round three. And we're going to look at another thing that God wants us to fight for. And as I've already said in this series so far, we need to learn how to fight in God's ways and for God's ways because we, with our tendency to like to fight, we fight in wrong ways and for wrong things. And I think that's especially true with the subject that we're going to look at today. We as Christ followers often cause more damage to the cause of Christ in this one area 
than in any other area alone. And if you're here today and would say, you know what, I don't consider myself a Christ follower. I'm just kind of checking this whole thing out. The way Christians act around this subject that we're going to talk about just might be the reason why you've said, not so sure that I want to be a Christ follower. So we need, as Christ followers, to learn how to fight in God's ways and for God's ways. Now, I want to start today by asking you a question. And uh, it's a question, I just want you to think of the answer, your answer to yourself. Don't worry about answering out loud. And there are going to be several correct answers to this. But there is one specific answer that I'm looking for that Jesus actually said in the Bible. He gave a specific answer to, to this question. And this statement by Jesus is often overlooked. And yet it contains the thing I think God would say to us is worth fighting for. And again, this is probably one of the most important battles that we could fight as Christ followers. Here's my question. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? So just think about that for just a moment. I mean, if you were in a conversation with somebody and that question came up, how would you answer it? If you're thinking something like, He came to die so we can live, or he came to set the captives free, or he came to seek and save the lost, you would be right. Those are all correct theological answers, but but that's not the answer that I'm looking for. Actually, Jesus gave the answer I'm looking for right before he died. Before Jesus was crucified, he was handed over by the Jews to the Romans, the Roman government and specifically handed to the Roman governor, Pilate. And he was going to decide Jesus' fate in that specific moment that he was brought to to Pilate. And in a conversation between Pilate and Jesus, Jesus reveals why he came to earth. It's found in John chapter 18. So in John chapter 18, starting in verse 33, it says, then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked Jesus. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born, came into the world, and here it is, this is what we're looking for, to testify to the truth. Jesus came to earth to testify to the truth. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus came to testify to the truth? Now, if I told you that later this week I was going to go and testify, what would you conclude I was going to be doing this week? Going to court. court. So I'd be going to court. And what do we do in court? We tell the truth in court, hopefully. What do we do in court? Seek justice? Judge? Judge? There's some judgment going on. So we're in court. We put things and people on trial. So things and people are in trial. Decisions are made. Judgments are made 
about that specific thing. Right now, our U.S. Supreme Court is deciding whether or not it is constitutional or not for our government leaders to start their meetings with prayer. So there is a whole group of people that say that's not constitutional. That represents our government saying that one religion is okay, and that's not constitutional, that we're supporting one specific religion. There are other people who say that our founding fathers have started all of their meetings with prayer, and up to this day, we still start all of our government meetings, whether at a local level level, or at a federal level, with prayer prayer, and so it is a constitutional activity. Right now, prayer again is on trial in our country. Since Jesus came to testify to the truth, we can conclude that the truth is something very important to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said about the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Then Jesus said in John 8, 31, he's talking to his followers, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when we remain faithful to Jesus' teachings, that helps us learn the truth and that truth then sets us free from something. In John 14, Jesus said, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Again, Jesus said, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. Now listen to what Jesus said right after that. He said, all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And the New International Version of the Bible translates that verse this way. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now think about what Jesus is saying there in that moment. He's talking to Pilate and he's saying, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So that tells us there are sides to something. Like they're, they're in a courtroom. There are typically sides to something. There's one side against another side. There's a prosecution versus the defense. So if truth is on one side of the subject, What's on the other side? A lie. Deception is on the other side. So Jesus was saying truth is on trial in our world. And in this short interaction between Pilate and Jesus, Jesus was pointing to an epic battle that's been raging raging since the beginning of time. It's a battle between truth and lies. In Genesis we see the beginning of this battle. So God creates Adam and Eve and he places them in this perfect environment, perfect place called the Garden of Eden. And God only had one instruction for them. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's planted in the middle of the garden. There are orchards everywhere that you can eat from. You can enjoy all of their fruit. See the horizon over there and the trees over there, you can eat from that fruit. But this one tree... Leave this one tree alone. Don't eat of its fruit or you will die. In Genesis 3, a real being called Satan slithered his way into our story. And I'm not sure how you feel about Satan, whether you think that's just a myth or whether you believe in Satan or not, but Jesus believed in Satan. 
He talked about Satan. So we're going to look at what Jesus said about Satan here in just a minute. So we've got this real being who comes into the story to tempt Eve and Adam away from God's truth. He twisted truth in a lie to make it more palatable. So Satan said, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Just interesting how he slithered his way into that conversation. Satan knew that God didn't say that. He knew that God said, hey, there's only one tree that you shouldn't eat from. He knew that God didn't say, hey, you can't eat from any of the trees. That wouldn't make any sense. So he was trying to bait Eve, trying to bait her into a conversation so he could take it where he wanted to go with it, and she took the bait. Eve replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, she added a little bit there. God didn't say that in that context. You couldn't touch it. Probably be good if they didn't touch it, but he didn't say that. And Satan quickly replied, you won't die, for God himself knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so Satan took truth, your eyes will be opened, and you'll know the difference between good and evil. And he took a lie, you will not die, he mixed them together and presented it to Eve. And it looked good. I mean, it looked right. It looked like truth. And so Eve took the bait. She believed the lie. And she rejected God's truth in that moment. And Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God told them not to. And they brought a curse of sin and death onto our world. And I don't know how you are, but, but like... I wish Adam and Eve wouldn't have done that. Like, don't you wish that? I mean, don't, and I read these kind of stories and I'm like, Adam and Eve, come on. I mean, it's a talking snake. I mean, that should have given it away right there. I mean, don't talk to snakes. I wish that they would have drawn their sword and said, you know what, I discern this is not truth. You've got a half truth here, which is still not a truth. So I wish they would have drawn their sword in that moment, stood to defend truth and you know, cut the snake in half or something, but they didn't. They bought this lie. They bought this half-truth, and the reality is so would we. We would have done the exact same thing because we do the exact same thing. Every time we choose sin over God's plan for our lives, we are believing a lie we're believing that our sin won't hurt anyone. We're believing, you know, it, it's okay for me. It's right for me in this moment. I have a right to this, to this attitude, to this thing that I want. I, I, I'm justified in this. It really isn't that big of a deal. I can keep it a secret. God will never know. I mean, I, I can keep it under control. Or after all, I, don't I deserve this for all that I've been through? I mean, don't I deserve whatever... I'm wanting in this moment. And every time we choose to do anything contrary to God's plan for our lives, we are believing a lie. If there's a sin issue going on in your world right now, guess what? You're believing a lie. If there's a sin issue right now in your life that you're wrestling with. You are believing a lie from the enemy. In Romans 7, Verse 11, this super Christian named Paul, he said, sin deceived me. 
Hebrews 3, 13 says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. One of Satan's greatest strategies against us is deception. And if we listen to Satan's lies long enough, we might even convince ourselves that there's no such thing as this thing called truth anyway. At least not an absolute truth that applies to all of us. After Jesus told Pilate why he came, that he came to testify to the truth, Pilate asked the same question that humanity has been asking ever since. He asked, what is truth? I mean, like really, what really is truth? And we've all asked that question in various forms. What is truth? Is Jesus really the truth? Is there another truth out there that we should be looking for? Is Jesus the only way to heaven or are there lots of ways to heaven? Is there even a heaven to get to? Or is that just some made up religious thing by religious leaders so that people will stay in line? And then who gets to decide what truth is? And who gets that privilege to decide what is true out in our world? And let's say that you decide something's true and I don't like it. Do I have to listen to it because you decided? Or let's reverse that. Let's say I decide there's a truth. Do you have to listen? What if you don't like it? Do you have to obey or follow a truth that I think is true? Are there any absolute truths out there for everyone? Or is truth just a matter of perspective? Is it just a matter of opinion? Like, I believe there's truth and there's truth for me and maybe you believe there's truth for you. So there obviously are lots of answers and opinions and perspectives out there on that question. And the interesting thing about Pilate's interaction with Jesus is here Pilate stands with the one being who can really answer that question for him. The one being who can answer the question, what is truth? So what is the answer to that question? I believe the answer is God. God is the ultimate source of truth. All truth comes from him. Again, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. If something is true, it came from God. If it's not true, guess what? It came from the other side. It came from the side of deception. In John 8, Jesus described that other side and the leader of that side. He described Satan like this. The devil has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So again, we have two sides here. We've got truth and we've got deception. And God is the father of all truth. And Satan is the father of all lies. Now, if we wanna be people who stand on the side of truth and defend truth and fight for truth, how do we do that? I mean, how do we do that, especially today in our world where we're so confused about this issue of truth? Well, the first thing that I think that we have to do is to learn truth. We have to learn it, and the place that we learn it is from the Bible. 
I mean, that's, that's God's primary truth source that he has given his followers. And listen to what 2 Timothy 3 says about the Bible. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God gave us the Bible so we can know him, the one true God, and so we can learn to live in truth. Now, when we come to the Bible, when we come to to this book right here, we need to understand that the words captured in it are God's thoughts in print for us. Now, I'm just curious, how many of you would say that you would love it if God would just speak into your life verbally, you know, audibly, you know, God would just say something like maybe you're in a difficult situation and and don't you just wish that God would part the heavens, grab his megaphone and whatever your name is, say, hey, Trent, this is what I want you to do. Would love that. You know, take this job. Don't take that job. Don't date that person. You know, don't, don't do this. Don't raise your kids this way. I mean, there's so many subjects that we ask God for direction for. And the reality is, to a large extent, that's what God has done in the Bible. God has given us his written word. He has spoken on so many things, and he wants us to know how to live as his followers. So that is our absolute truth source that we as Christ followers need to turn to and learn from. 1 John 5, 13 says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. These words in the Bible have been captured for us so that we can know truth. Again, Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What will the truth set us free from? Deception. Deception is on the other side of truth. It's deception of the enemy of God. And every day, Satan twists truth and lies to present it to all of us and whispers in our ears, did God really say that you can't do that? Did God really say that that was a big deal? You know, you should follow your heart because your heart will always lead you to good places. Anybody know that that's not true? That's a lie from the pit of hell. If anybody says follow your heart, tell them, uh-uh. I'm not following that thing. It's gotten me in more trouble than I ever cared to, to talk about. We need to lead our hearts in the right direction. So Satan whispers all these lies to us, takes truth and a lie, mixes them together and whispers softly in our ear. And we've got to learn how to discern what's truth and what's a lie. And the best way to do that is for us to learn the truth of the Bible. It's the only way for us to stand and fight against deception from the enemy. So that means, folks, get ready. This is going to be profound. That means we have to read the Bible, right? I know it's like earth-shattering information you're getting this morning. We've got to read the Bible, not just on Sunday mornings when it comes up on the screens. Like We have to get in the Bible on a regular basis. We have to become lifelong students of God's written word. Now, if you're new to the Bible, like, let's all just say, you know, hey, the Bible can be a little bit confusing, like, if you're new to it. Let's take it another step further. If you're new to the Bible, 
it can be a lot confusing. I mean, you open it up and go like, where do I start? I started in Genesis, then I got into these numbers, and oh my goodness, I got lost. So the Bible can be confusing, can be a confusing book if you're not familiar with it. But if you commit to take a little time to learn you'd be amazed at what you can learn in a short amount of time. We've got some resources on our website that we would love for you to dive into. If you're new to the Bible, just dive in, theepicchurch.com, under our resources tab. There are some great articles there that can help you understand how the Bible was put together, can help get you started on a reading plan. Now, another great way to get started in a Bible reading plan, something we do on a consistent basis, is through our Spiritual Growth Challenge. And I have a copy up here this morning. So we make a paper like this available each week for all of us, for anybody who wants to take our messages a little bit further. And on this form, we have the Bible verses that we've been reading through. We've got a Bible reading plan. There's a Bible memory verse that you're encouraged to memorize. There's some suggestions for a time of prayer throughout the week. There are questions for you to process through. There are action items, challenges to say, hey, why don't you go and do this this week? Try this thing out. Now, this would be a great thing to do. You can do this by yourself, process throughout the week, or You can talk to some people, a small group maybe that you're a part of, or maybe you can start up a conversation at work. Maybe you're sitting at lunch with people and say, hey, like I heard this wacky thing this past week at church and I've got this question for you. And just begin a conversation with other people about what you are learning. We cannot grow to be all who God wants us to be as Christ followers, as warriors for him without reading the Bible. It's not possible, so we have to dive in and read. Now, the next part of discerning truth and fighting for truth is that we have to live the truth. So the Bible isn't just meant to be learned. It's meant to be lived. And if we aren't applying what we're reading, it's not doing us any good, especially when we go out into the world and we're living in front of people who are not Christ followers, and they are deciding whether or not they are going to give God a chance or not based upon what they see in us. And if we're not living the way that we need to be living, it's so interesting that um, someone who says, I'm not a Christ follower, they may have never opened a Bible before, but I, I can guarantee you this, they know how Christ followers should live. And when we don't live those ways, then they start determining, I'm not so sure I'm going to follow your God because it doesn't appear to be working for you. And in those moments, we are hypocrites. So we shouldn't be that guy at work who tells those dirty jokes all the time and then invite somebody to church. Like that's a little confusing for people. You know, a racy, totally inappropriate joke. Hey, what are you doing on Sunday? Come on over to church with us. Like that's confusing as people like try to process like what? Like, what kind of church is that that you go to? We shouldn't be that student who parties all the time and then tells other people that they're not living a right lifestyle. We shouldn't do things like that. That's what hurts the cause of Christ when we aren't living the way God asks us to live and then we turn around and try to tell other people how they should be living. So we cannot live any way we want as Christ followers and say, hey, we're committed followers of Jesus. It's not possible for us to say that and to live inconsistently with what God teaches in the Bible. And get this, when we come to the Bible, we have to conform our lives to God's truth, not God's truth to our lives. Let that settle for just a minute. Like We can't come to the Bible and say, well, I'm just gonna find something that that shows that I can live how I wanna live. 
No, we come to the Bible and say, God, use your written word to conform how my life should be lived. So to fight for truth, we need to learn the truth. It's found in the Bible. And then we need to live the truth by applying what we're learning in the Bible. Now, the third thing I think we need to do in this area to stand for truth is to speak truth. As Christ followers, God asks us to be ready all the time to speak truth. Listen to what 1 Peter 3 says. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now, here's where Christians usually end up in two extremes. Some Christians draw their truth swords and they charge into our culture, slinging Bible verses everywhere, hoping that someone will be transformed by God's truth. Who cares about gentle and respectful? We have the truth. We're going to cut people apart with it. And we should never use God's written word like a club to beat people over the head. We should use God's written word to lovingly point people towards Jesus. So if you're a student and you're at school, do not be that obnoxious Christian that has that cheesy Christian answer for everything. Like, don't be that person. That person that other students go, oh, here they come. Avoid them at all costs. You know, don't be that obnoxious kind of, of, of Christ follower. When you're at work, don't get into political debates with people where you're ready to draw your sword and chop somebody's legs off because they didn't vote the way that you vote. There's nothing wrong with political conversations. There's nothing wrong with getting into great conversations with people who would say, you know what? I don't hold the Bible as my source of truth. I think we should engage those conversations. I really think we should. We should be ready to engage any conversation where truth is on trial. Again, that's why we're here. But I think we should do that in a respectful and gentle way. We should not do that in a way that pushes people farther away from the God who sent Jesus to reveal truth to them so that they could be set free. The other extreme that some Christ followers go to is not saying anything when truth is under attack. We don't want to offend anybody, so we keep our mouth shut, and we just pray that God will speak powerfully through some other means into somebody's life in that moment, but we're not going to say anything. We're just going to hold that to ourselves. If you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to testify to the truth the way that Jesus did. That means we've got to learn truth, means we've got to live truth, means we've got to speak truth in love. We should never avoid opportunities to stand up and speak on the behalf of truth. There are lots of opportunities for that. Tons of opportunities throughout our week for us to, to stand in those moments and pray for boldness, open our mouths and speak truth in a gentle and respectful way. We have a responsibility to do that. Again, truth is on trial in our world and it's why Jesus came here. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples about this in Luke 12. He said, when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before the rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourselves or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. I think that's God's word for us still today. And I think God might say it just a little bit differently for us. So, so I think he might say something along these lines. When you're at school, 
and you're gathered around that table and you're the only one there that's standing for truth and everybody else has got you on trial, when you're at work and you're sitting maybe in that lunch, that lunch meeting or you're sitting in that environment where it feels like you're on the hot seat and you're the only one standing for truth and it rolls around to a truth subject. When you're at your family gathering, maybe coming up on Thanksgiving, when you're gathered around all of your family and you drove there telling your spouse, we're not going to talk about politics, we're not going to talk about religion, it always gets us into trouble. When you're in those moments and you know someone wants to pick a fight with you, when you're in those environments and you feel like you're being put on trial over a truth issue, remember, that's why I came to earth to testify to the truth. So don't worry about defending yourself. Don't get freaked out like, oh my goodness, am I going to say the right thing, the wrong thing? Don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit, if you're reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Holy Spirit's going to speak. Holy Spirit's going to put his words in your mouth that he wants you to say. So pray for boldness and courage and open your mouth and speak truth in love to the people who need to hear it. So this week, what are you going to do with all the opportunities that you are going to have to stand for truth? Will you draw your sword and go in and chop people's legs off? Will you draw your sword and stand and fight respectfully the way Jesus did? Or will you be quiet and not say anything and hope that God will speak in some other way? Well, I encourage all of us to learn the truth that's found in God's written word then to live that truth by applying what God says to our own lives and then to speak that truth to people who need, desperately need to be set free. I think that's the most effective way that any of us can draw our swords and stand and fight for truth. Again, Jesus came to testify to the truth and he asks us as his followers to do the exact same thing. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the reality of truth in our world and that, Jesus, you are that truth and that we can know an absolute truth. We can know that. We can know that there's truth out there for us. Doesn't, we don't have to be subject to our own opinions and what somebody else says and what we feel, and we don't have to follow our hearts. We can stand firm on your written word. God, you've spoken. You've spoken to us. And you want us to know that truth because you want us to be set free. And so, Lord, today, our, in our world, truth is on trial every day. And you ask us to come and testify to the truth, to stand and speak. You ask us to learn the truth, what's your truth found in the Bible. Then you ask us to live that truth by applying that to our lives. And then you ask us to to with boldness and courage and love and humility to speak that truth to other people who have bought into the lie of the enemy. And you sent Jesus so they could be set free. So I pray for us that we would be courageous enough to stand for truth because of your incredible love for humanity. You want people to be set free. And you ask us to speak truth so they can know truth and be set free with that truth. Lord, help us to do that this week as we leave this place, as we go into our normal patterns this week. Help us to draw our swords 
and stand for truth in a way that you, Jesus, would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What a great promise that our chains can be broken. If you go ahead and have a seat, I have a few announcements for us this morning. If you want to explore more of what it means to stand in truth, as Trent mentioned, we have the Spiritual Growth Challenge to help us to do that. There's some great Bible reading plans on there to help you learn more of who Jesus is and apply what we're learning about truth. And also, if you're not a Christ follower, there's some great book recommendations on there. If you want to explore more of who Jesus is, there's some um, recommendations on there for you as well. You can pick one of the Spiritual Growth Challenges up at the um, Connection Center or download it at theepicchurch.com. If you're a new guest with us today, we are so glad that you are here. We hope you enjoyed the service this morning. We'd love for you also to sing by the Connection Center on your way out. We have some information for you about Epic that you can pick up as well. And if you call Epic home and want to partner with us in our mission of leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, one way you can do so is partnering with us financially. There's a couple ways you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or at the back in um, the giving boxes at the back of each section. You may have noticed as you're pulling up that there were some special, there's some spots out front marked special needs parking. We just want you to to make you aware of those. If you could benefit from parking up front in that special needs area, please take advantage of that. And also, if you are a middle school or high school student, we have a great student ministry for 7th to 12th grade called Surge. They meet on Saturday nights, and you can find out all about their upcoming events online on our calendar on theepicchurch.com as well. Well, thanks so much for being here today. We hope you have a great Sunday. Enjoy your day. Thank you for coming.